welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Before you listen to the following interview, we would love to invite you to watch the short film Liberating Fire about Bob Ekblad's life, which you can find easily online. The interview will make sense without it, but it will really help frame what Bob and Gracie are passionate about. Isn't that amazing? What a story. Not just a good film, it's an amazing journey. So Bob and Gracie, it is an absolute honour to have you with us. And we just want to learn all that we can uh, from you against this backdrop of Philippians 2 and the, the journey to the cross and all the rest of it. So you, uh, just before we get, I, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, but the first one is this. Uh, just explain, where have you been and where are you going on this, on this trip? Like, what, what's, what's your itinerary right now? Help people get a picture of that. Yeah, we, uh, um, we're on a, like a three-week trip. We're kind of the last week of it. We started in Morocco where we... Uh, we're completing the third of three um, trainings. We have a, a certificate in transformational ministry at the margins, we call it, which we've done all over the world. Um, we've done a number in North America and, and five here in the UK and uh, done them in Tanzania and Zimbabwe. And uh, anyway, we were completing, we, we were, so we started in Morocco, Rabat, Morocco, working with 40 um, migrant, sub-Saharan migrants, um, taking them through the last training. And then we went to Glasgow and did the same thing there with a bunch of people working uh, with Glasgow City Mission and with different ministries to the marginalized and prison chaplains. And then we just came from Bristol. And then this afternoon we head to Paris and we have uh, our final module there with, with a bunch of people. Amazing. And obviously you're rooted in Burlington in Washington State. Um, Gracie, just give us a little bit of a sense of what your community is like there. What, 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 what does it do? What does it feel like? Well, it's not really your traditional church, that's for sure. Um, made up mostly of people coming out of uh, jail and prison, out of addiction, um, the crazy life, gang life and uh, as well as um, a few normies, as we call them. <laughs> and um, a, a lot of people from our neighborhood as well. So yeah, it's a pretty small group, maybe about, what, 40, 50 people? Yeah. Yeah, talk about the jail, too. About the jail? jail ministry. Yeah, right. So um, we have a jail ministry, and um, that's where we meet a lot of these folks. So, um, as well as um, the, the uh, prison ministry, so we we see um, women and men as well as youth, and that's uh, in the jail. It's a couple times a week for the men, and um, uh, once a week for the women. So that that's kind of our inroad to to these folks who are in our county and in our region. And. Your, your sort of three big pillars there are word, spirit, and street, you said in, in the movie. And I'd love to 
think about those three, if that's, if that's all right. So first of all, word. Think a bit about the Bible. Um, one of your books has got a brilliant title, Reading the Bible with the Damned. Um, you had that amazing experience in Toronto of someone having this supernatural revelation of you, I guess, reading the, the Bible with men in red in those blue plastic chairs in, in, in a circle in prison. Talk to us a little bit about how you view the Bible and how we apply the Bible uh, outside of overtly religious contexts. Yeah, we, we see the Bible as uh, something that is often viewed as, as sort of a, a rule book where, uh, you know, you have to, you know, you have to find out what the law, what the rules are that you have to follow in order to get on God's good side. Uh, a lot of people see the Bible that way. And, uh, and uh, so right from the start, uh, in a jail context, people are there often because they're thinking, okay, well, maybe... If I get on God's good side, he'll, he'll impact the judge, and that'll help, you know, kind of resolve things in, in my favor. So there's kind of a God is the judge, the, the sort of the probation officer, uh, you know, the, the prosecutor, really. And so right from the start, we are trying to uh, counter that directly with the good news of, of Jesus, friend of sinners, and um, you know, a lot of times people go to the Bible assuming anyone's in it, anyone in, who's in it is kind of a hero, like an exemplary character, but we help them see that really the Bible is more like the WikiLeaks of God's people. It's, it's sort of a, it, all the dirty laundry of the people of God are just out there in the open for everyone to see. And, and so what you find in the Bible is sort of a mirror that allows you to kind of see, wow, they were pretty nasty, but wow, we are too, I am too, but God chose them, and wow, God could choose me. And so we're trying to help them see that God, uh, that there's hope, you know. I love that, WikiLeaks, that's excellent. And um, so uh, help us, Philippians 2, 1 to 11, will be a passage that you're very familiar with. Um, walk, us, walk us through that, how... How, how would you walk us through that story? All sorts of people here, all sorts of questions, struggles today. Just give us a, a few thoughts from that story as we prepare this journey towards the cross. Yeah. Um, you know, Philippians 2, consider others' interests as more important than your own. Have this attitude that's in yourself that was in Christ Jesus who who didn't consider equality with God as something to be hung on to, right? So, you know, Jesus uh, reflects someone who had, uh, you know, who, who was entitled to privilege and uh, entitled to, uh, you know, I mean, was God himself, but um, emptied himself of that. Um, you know, we were just, I was just sharing from Romans um, 8, where it talks about how we're like, if we're following the Lamb of God who was, t- who was, who was taken upon the sins of the, of the world upon himself, you know, he's, it says we're supposed to take up, I mean, we're, we are uh, slaughtered, given up to the slaughter daily, you know. Um, what does it say in Romans 8? I'm trying to think I don't have my Bible with me, but it's uh, very much like um, I see the Christian life as needing to, uh, to just to follow that, that Lamb of God in daily death to you know, my own, um, I guess, the flesh, the part of me that wants to, 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 you know, to feel entitled and, you know, um, 
in my agenda and to surrender to, to the agenda of the Spirit, you know, whatever that is, which means emptying myself of my agenda and, and just kind of letting God's agenda um, be primary. And so I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it's not very comfortable. I mean, but I think that once we get into the flow of, of God, it becomes really fun. So I think there's kind of a struggle. Well, that's not what I really feel like doing today. But I think if God calls us to that, then then God gives us the resources to do it, and, and God is with us. And then he actually changes our heart. And instead of us just feeling like he's called us to do this ministry thing, in fact, we get ministered to by, by the people that we're called to walk alongside. That really shines through in the video, that there's a sense of joy in being caught up in what the Spirit's doing. Um, and uh, just think about the Spirit, uh, the second of your pillars there. The, the, and you have this insane, amazing intervention, really, around, around Toronto. And, and, and this word about healing and signs following, and you're saying no, and then you fall over. Um, how, how do you see the power of the Holy Spirit uh, flowing in all that you're doing in, in, as you travel, but also in your local community. And, and I know, um, Gracie, you particularly feel strongly about inner healing and the importance of that for people who, who are struggling with sort of generational uh, uh, brokenness. So talk to us a bit about healing and the supernatural. Because I, I, I often find people who are very um, uh, engaged socially, have a strong liberation agenda, often very nervous of, of the things of the Spirit. I, and I love how you're bringing them together. So help us with that. Yeah, well, um, I think, first of all, we have to let ourselves be, um, be healed. Our hearts need to be healed up. And sometimes that can happen in really unlikely ways. So the way that it happened for me was going to... to um, the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, as it used to be called, now it's called Catch the Fire. But it was um, culturally difficult for me to be in this place. But I feel really strongly that that um, that God the Father is is not happy with our divisions, and He doesn't like that the social justice people are over here and the Bible people are over here, and the whatever, the other, the charismatic people are over here with the signs and wonders. And he wants all of his children to be united, to be together. So I think there's really power in crossing these kind of invisible lines, even though we say we're ecumenical. You know, we're about, you know, yeah, we're all one of one, one body. But actually, in reality, do we behave that way? So in, in us going, you know, crossing this line to go to this conference, um, was kind of a scary thing to do. And um, there were things that we didn't agree with, but we kind of tentatively allowed ourselves to be open to, to anything that, um, that might change our lives, even if there's just one or two good things, because we were so desperate. And in doing that, we were surprised um, to, to be so blessed by the message of the Father's love that we discovered there. And it, it wasn't so much about any agenda. It wasn't about, you know, left or right wing. Um, it wasn't about doing. It was about being. It was about identity as a child of God, first and foremost. And that's the whole basis for any kind of liberation, which we would right. 
call healing or deliverance. So yeah, it was about me being changed first and then letting that happen. You know, um, just to add to that too, we, you know, the two words that were like four letter words for us were power and authority. You know, um, we felt like um, we were very aware of the sins of our nation, you know, and we felt identified, you know, just as white Americans and our whole ministry has been working with people who our country has hurt, you know, in, uh, down in Central America and also prisoners and undocumented immigrants who are being deported. And so, you know, we, I think there was a lot of, uh, we were very tentative about our being embodiments of something that where power would be, would, would come through us, right? So we were very, we felt a lot of shame about that, I guess. And maybe a lot, maybe some self-hatred even. I mean, for sure some of that and, and hatred of our, of our country. Mm. And so the idea that, that was an offense that God would be, would want to flow in a powerful way and exercise authority. Like we were, we were anti-authority in, in terms of the way that authority is normally used. But of course, we knew Jesus said, it, you know, it shall not be that way among you, but um, you know, don't, be, don't lord it over people. But you know, like, uh, we need to give ourselves away in service. And we knew about that, but we never saw, I, you know, I guess, yeah, we were afraid uh, to just really surrender and, and not sure about the power thing. And so, but then when we saw how humble, um, you know, the, the, actually Jesus is a lot more um, concerned about that than we are, and we can trust the Holy Spirit to flow uh, through us um, in ways that are very powerful and, and that demonstrate authority. It's just a matter of us trusting him and rather than getting all caught up in, in, in differentiating our, ourselves from people we were annoyed by. And what, what does that approach to authority look like in the way we parent our kids or uh, the way we manage somebody at work if we're in a position of power at work how how are christians to do those kinds of relational transactions differently i think just um you know taking a big step down sometimes in humility and and being willing to say sorry or um just letting just really listening you know i've my kids say I'm not a very good listener. I always thought I was a great listener, but if they say I'm not a good listener, maybe maybe they're right, and I need I need to learn about it. So, yeah, I think humility for sure. We got a, a I had a lovely story of a guy in this church who uh, is a CEO of a co of a company, and he was allocating the parking, and he realized that the way of the world was he would give himself the nicest, sweetest spot. But he realized he was a Christian, so he, he put the disabled, I guess you'd call it handicapped parking, nearest the door, and he put his the furthest away. So he actually has to park on another site and walk to the office every day. He just quietly did it. I just thought it was just an exceptional example of, of Christian leadership. Finally, uh, the street. Word, spirit, street. And you've, you've been describing this journey in, in your own lives of, of you know, the, the, the stepping down from privilege to, to, to uh, identify with and advocate for those who are marginalized and, 
and, and, and going from America to the nations. You, you, you've gone to this Philippians 2 journey, but talk to us about the street. We have a lot of people that, you, that are listening to you right now who are very actively engaged in peacemaking and reconciliation work in all sorts of different ways, um, fighting human trafficking and, and uh, working in the DRC right now and, and all sorts of different scenarios. So talk to us a little bit about how do we... How, how, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? How do we do reconciliation whilst also, I noticed you talked about standing up for the status quo. So how do, how do, we, how do we do those two together? And just anything you want to say about, about justice and advocacy. I think one of the first things we need to do is be really um, uh, clearly uh, submerged. And I mean, we need to die to our national and racial and, you know, sort of, our entitlement uh, identity. We need to really have that baptismal death experience, which I think is something that we need to re, you know, sort of relive on a, on a daily basis so that we're, we're disassociated from um, sort of the powers um, in the way that we operate. We're, we need to be a, an alternative family of God that, uh, that we're, we're, we're clearly seeing ourselves as ambassadors of Christ um, I'm, I'm very disturbed by what's happening with, uh, uh, with Christians associating with, you know, with uh, political leaders um, like Donald Trump or uh, just all across Europe right now. There's movements of, of uh, populist movements that, that are centered around individual, you know, powerful individuals. And Christians, unfortunately, especially charismatics and evangelicals, are joining up with those sorts of uh, uh, movements and, and parties and I think that really damages our witness, and we need to be, yeah, and it's, yeah, there's a false prophetic afoot right now where there's a lot of stuff being stated in the name of Jesus, in the name of prophetic revelation that's, that's not revealing the kingdom of God. It's revealing uh, the powers of, the agendas of the powers of this world, and that needs to change. So let me just ask about that, and we need to probably finish with this, but uh, you may have picked up that we're in a little bit of a confused state politically in this uh, nation right now. It's so kind of you to keep referencing your own president, but um, <laughs> we're frankly creaming it here right now. Um, it's entirely possible that in the next few weeks there could be a general election. Um, it's very hard to know how to vote, who to vote for, and I'm obviously not asking you to tell us who to vote for. But give us some principles as we try and work out how to engage locally and nationally. I assume that you're not saying we shouldn't engage politically, that we, we, you know, we should, we should so somehow use our vote, but to help us, just give us Philippians 2, you know, God, God's heart for the, the marginalized. Give us a few principles in how we vote. Yeah, I, I think we're part, of a, we're part of a global borderless body of Christ, and our agenda is different than the agenda of the powers. And our agenda is to, uh, Jesus says, as you go, make disciples of all the nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to put into practice everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. So if that's our agenda, then we, we, we must, uh, anything that, that enhances that agenda, like uh, for me, immigrants coming to my country, that just makes mission easier. I don't have to go there to Africa or to uh, Latin America that I can minister to them right here. So, um, and, and also, many of those people are people that come with a living faith. And they're filling the churches in France, you know, um, and in, in here in, in the UK too, I think. Um, 
they're enlivening the churches and there's many uh, apostles and evangelists and prophets from uh, the global south that we should be welcoming in with open arms who, um, who can bear witness and, and, and change and affect us. And, and, and so anyway, I just think we, we have to think about things not from a national uh, interest perspective, but from a kingdom of God perspective. And um, you know, Paul talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you know, uh, so that we can prove that which is excellent. And so I would think having uh, just really working to to uh, to be students of um, you know to make sure that our, we're not walking according to the counsel of the of the ungodly or the you know it's crazy this uh, this word wicked um, that's used to translate Psalm one. We we think of you know not walking in the counsel of the wicked. The wicked is as actually the uh, we think of them as like pedophiles and criminals and and drug dealers and uh, things like that. But uh, the word in Hebrew um, is actually a word that is mainly synonymous with the rich and powerful. Um, so wh- where would we get the counsel of the rich and powerful? You know, where would you go to get uh, to walk in the counsel of the, of the status quo and the powerful? Where would you get educated? in England or in the United States so that you could walk in the council of the, of the dominant culture. I don't know where you'd go. Oxford, Cambridge, you know, Harvard, you know, places like that, right? So it said, blessed is the person that does not walk in the council of the ungodly, uh, but who, you know, the Torah, the teaching, the Bible, the word of God is we meditate day and night on the word of God. And when we do that, we will be like a tree that bears fruit in its season, right? Beautiful. Anyone finding this challenging? Good. I'd say, I'd say what we're going to do, we're going to finish it in a slightly different way, if it's okay, Bill. Um, I'd love uh, the worship band just to come back. And uh, we were singing that song earlier, You Bring Life to Dry Dead Places. And I, I, I kind of bookended this by saying that we have a God who empties himself that we might be filled. And the image there is the temple flowing into the Dead Sea. But then, did you notice I said, but then he calls us to empty ourselves, that others might be filled, to pour ourselves out for others. And I just wonder if um, the Spirit of God is inviting some of us here today to make choices to empty ourselves in very particular ways to serve others, to give to others, to listen better, uh, to, to make some pretty fundamental changes and choices. And uh, it seems to me that would be a very appropriate thing to be thinking about as we prepare uh, for Easter. It's not just a personal, you know, Jesus died to forgive me my sins, but how can we follow in the way of Jesus, the kenosis, the self-emptying of Jesus? What might he be asking of some of us here? Some of you, I'm aware, are already pouring yourselves out. And as one of the people who has the privilege of pastoring you, I'd be there saying, don't pour yourselves out anymore. I mean, you're just amazing. And I just want to affirm that and bless that and grace, grace. But I suspect there are others. It may be in the way that we conduct ourselves in the home or at work. It may be in um, giving ourselves more to spend time at the lighthouse or in some of the different projects. Uh, there may be specific uh, things. And so often we invite people to respond to receive prayer, but today is an invitation to come forward to respond to God in a self-giving.
So this isn't come forward and receive something. You, you may get something. I mean, you had a lovely story uh, there from Bob and Gracie about how they were blessed in Toronto. But that's not the heart. The heart of this is the giving of the self. And so uh, in, the, in the Salvation Army tradition, they always had a thing called the penitent form at the front. It was an old bench. People would come and kneel and just get right with God. And... Um, I just want to give an opportunity to sing this final song. For some of us, just sing the song and, and use that to draw together what the Lord's been doing amongst us. But I think for others, there may be a sense very specifically of the Lord is inviting you to empty yourself in a particular way, to give yourself, uh, to, to sacrifice. Romans 12 verse 1 says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And then it says this is holy and pleasing to God. And some of us that... That, that's the invitation today to sacrifice something. And no one's going to do a survey or quiz you. And I may ask Bob and Gracie just to pray a prayer over you, but those who'd like to do so in this song, and it may just be one or two people, I don't know, I just want to invite you to come and kneel at the front. This is between you and God. We'll create a penitent form today. And I want this to be a moment that you don't just prepare to receive something this Easter, but prepare to journey with Jesus to the cross this Easter. And if you're in the balcony, uh, make your way down. Uh, you're up in heaven, but do not count equality with God up there. Something to be held on to, but lay down and come and humble yourselves down in the cheap sheet seats. <laughs> but uh, uh, so we're just going to sing this. And those who'd like to do so, there's something the Spirit's speaking to you about something specific, an area of self-giving, uh, I want to just invite you to take the opportunity to come and kneel at the front and, and give to the Lord as we prepare for Easter. So uh, let's stand, let's sing. Those who like to come and kneel and uh, give to the Lord in that way, let's do that.